What's up, everybody? Welcome to Honor Lab, episode 132. This is the Going Deep series continued. Uh, that's right. We are going to one of the oldest and one of the first three heroes we actually went through on the show, D.Va, this week. And we're going to be revisiting her after a plethora of reworks over the last two years. This is a very outdated guide, and we're excited to bring this to you with new defense matrix and micro-missiles alike. We have special guest, Tosar N., I believe I'm saying that right. Maybe just Tosar, right? Probably just saying it super weird, but welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. And, and uh, uh, yeah, go uh, ahead. It's pronounced uh, Tosarn. 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 Yeah. Okay, cool. Cool. I didn't know what the capital N, if I should pronounce it like at the same or like different, but yeah. <laughs> My name's Rob. I'm, I'm coming all the way in from Yamaguchi, Japan, south side. It's nice and chilly, though. I'll tell you what. We actually blew a breaker today trying to heat the house. Um, and joining me, as always, we have Andres Gomez all the way down in southern Georgia. What's up? What is up? What is up? Yeah, it's been super rainy and cold over here, too. My voice is kind of fading away, so uh, mm. I'm, I apologize in advance. I got the dual hand warmers, so I'm ready for esports, folks. Uh, this week, we're going to be talking all about D.Va. Like I said before, Tassarn is a Grandmaster player. Um, previous contenders, I guess you could say kind of like a com competition team. Uh, you were competing to get into a contender spot with your with the team at one point. Um, and I also found him through a uh, coaching feature through Fiverr that he did with Jane. And Jane did a little mini prank on it, but actually ended up getting some good coaching session out of it on his YouTube page. <laughs> uh, but, well, let's just jump right into it. Let's get to know our guest, Asarn. Tell us a little bit about yourself, maybe your stream, some of your background, uh, maybe like what you like to play and also what you like to coach. And then kind of you can even tell a little bit of the, the Jane story for those that don't know about it. Okay, so... <clears throat> Let's see, background. Well, I'm from Sweden, uh, a very cold country, or actually not, because I live in the south of Sweden. It's basically just rain. Um, <laughs> I started uh, gaming when I was a very young kid, six years old. Um, <clears throat> and I picked up Overwatch uh, the moment I saw it on, uh, it announced on BlizzCon. Uh, tried to get into the beta, finally got my beta, and uh, played it ever since. Um, and of course, I uh, the first few seasons were a bit rough for me. I didn't quite understand the game myself. Um, then uh, a very good friend of me, ML7, um, actually helped me out. Also a great Overwatch me. player, right? Uh, what? A great Overwatch <laughs> player. I've heard of him before. Yes. Yeah. yeah, ML7's insane. He's an amazing Ana player. Uh, mm -hmm. Played for Team Romania. Um, but yeah, he actually coached me. And... Uh, Believe it or not, the season after that, I was uh, top 500. <laughs> oh, nice. Um, wow. Straight out of the gates, huh? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so a lot of people usually look at my seasons like, what the hell happened between season three and season four? And I'm like, <laughs> I, you know, I, I understood the game. <laughs> um, That's crazy. Yeah. <clears throat> so um, basically, I got into uh, playing with teams and... Uh, I pushed uh, kind of hard, like, but competitive Overwatch is, it's not just like a shells play, like, you really need to dedicate time. At least that's what I thought back then, like, we scrimmed maybe five times a week, three times, uh, three hours per scrim, and it was kind of exhausting uh, over the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, after uh, Open Division, then we kind of fell apart. 
Mm. But uh, we might have a secret uh, project going on. Uh, so we'll see how Ooh, that goes. Very cool. Hey, let me Fancy. ask you a little bit about the gaming culture over in Sweden. Because um, I know it's pretty big over there. And you guys also bring up a lot of really good players. Um, how is How are stuff over there with gaming? Uh, if you walk on the streets or just overall, uh, basically, you won't see much about it. We have about one esports bar here in Gothenburg. Mm -hmm. uh, that's about it. Uh, but I mean, online, Sweden has quite a big presence. Uh, yeah. Like people sometimes call us Mini Korea. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, you're like, that, like the South Korea of <laughs> <Yeah>. Europe, basically. <laughs> exactly. Uh, we. I mean, over basically all the games, uh, we've had a lot of uh, stars, so to say, like ranging from Super Smash Brothers, Dota, League mm. of Legends, Overwatch, Counter-Strike. Uh, I think Sweden has a presence in every game, even StarCraft II mm -hmm. uh, back during the Naniva days. Um, right. But yeah, overall, it is there isn't like if you walk on the streets or anything, you won't really notice. We're just any other Scandinavian country. <laughs> <laughs> interesting interesting <laughs> all right very cool okay can you tell us a little bit more about how you like transitioned into coaching and kind of what happened with um maybe like pursuing a pro career i know you touched a little bit on this one in your video with jane um <clears throat> like the coaching uh happened even before i uh while i was playing i also took it upon myself to help a friend's uh, diamond team and mm. I actually, I thought it was really fun because gradually I saw them improve and I was like, if I can help someone improve at the game, like, why not? It will, if uh, more and more people start improving, uh, it will re both reduce toxicity and they might see the game more fun if they're doing well. Um, and overall, I've always been one of those persons that I like helping out people, like, uh, when I was uh, a few years ago, I I was a uh, football coach uh, for younger kids, and uh, overall, I usually take it upon myself to be a project leader or anything. Uh, so I thought, hey, maybe I should become a coach. And well, eh, I got lucky. I got really lucky when Kenzo found me for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> That's very cool. Uh, it's so, a it's a great attitude to have too. Um, especially Overwatch is one of those games that can get really frustrating at times but a lot of that frustration can sometimes come from a lack of understanding right no not knowing that you can take a different approach or how you should react to certain things and once you start doing those things you know the frustrating parts can not can maybe not be frustrating but an advantage to you one more time <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> i was basically saying that you know, the really frustrating things in Overwatch sometimes are frustrating because you don't understand them very well. And once you understand how to deal with those problems, the game gets much easier and uh, much more of a game. Uh, yeah, exactly. And uh, that is my main thing. I always tell everyone um, <clears throat> that uh, I coach, see it as a game, try to have fun. Because if you force yourself to play, you're not going to have fun and you're going to play worse than if you would if you would be having fun. Uh, that's mm. I always bring that up because that's kind of what happened to me after uh, the open division where I had been uh, crazily playing the game I, right. and the DK system. Like I kind of felt forced to play, and I was just getting annoyed, and I didn't have fun. 
so basically that's when I took my break because if gotcha. you feel forced to play a game, uh, then you shouldn't be playing. Right. So um, let's finish up talking here about just you with just like, what did you like to play at that time? Or what do you particularly like to coach? Um, maybe it's, it could be just a holistic team or a role or specific heroes. Anything is fine. Um, <clears throat> I myself, am an off support player. Um, I play Lucio, Senyata. Basically I play anyone, but those are my two strongest heroes. Uh, so I usually I prefer strongly to coach and off support, but I am also a very f flexible player. I play almost the entire roster, um, so any hero works basically. I prefer single people because I can put more time and depth into them, uh, but I also enjoy coaching teams. Okay, cool. So um, let's just get right into a quick couple of quick announcements and then we're going to go right super deep into all of this diva stuff because we got a lot of things and technically diva's got two parts of her kit because she's in and out of that suit so first and foremost today as we're recording december the 28th we are having game night tonight this is the morning in the na region but basically anytime in the afternoon around four to six i kind of put a hard time on twitter just because people always ask and I just set something. Um, but it's it's pretty much all night. You can join EU, NA, Asia. Anyone's welcome. We will be playing on the NA service to start. And as more people grow and lobbies grow, we can even split into different servers depending on who's hosting, especially if we get enough Asia people or people willing to play in Asia. I would love to play on 40 MS. So please let me know. Uh, we can do that in one of the lobbies. Um, <clears throat> that's going to do it for the game night announcement. It will be until people quit or pass out because this is holidays and this is generally one of the biggest game nights so i'm preparing for a lot and i will try to be streaming this time around um additionally our sponsor is going to be top score solutions every time we have him coming here um he's always talking about this website this is ben or i need peeling on discord he talks about Basically, anything to do with free business consultations or esports development type of things. If that, if esports and Overwatch, especially, or even just like any kind of game, um, find TopScoreSolutions.com or TopScoreEsports on Twitter, or join his Discord community and talk with him and his peers. Anders and I are working on something with him to update a little bit more of the info for you. We also have Omnic Meta which has a brand new feature. I'm going to let Andres uh, break down real quick because we were helping him in the backlog develop this a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm really happy about this one because it was a suggestion that we brought up to him and he liked it so much that I think he spent like the entire weekend working on it and now it's live. <laughs> uh, it's really cool. If you go to Omnic Meta, now you can see all of your stats from Heroes and all the charts that you've always been able to see, but now they're very easy to share and you can share almost all of them individually or all of them if you want at the same time. Um, but for example, I've been doing great on Ash lately and I kind of wanted to brag a little bit about that. So I just went to Twitter, posted my Ash stats. It gives you a, a glance, a comparison of how you're doing against other people in your rank in key statistics like eliminations or damage done uh, or Bob kills, for example. And it compares the most you important stat. Yeah, the most important, absolutely. It just compares you against other players um, in Diamond. It tells you, hey, you, compared to other people in Diamond, are in the 80th percentile in this stat and just shows you really quick. It's really cool. Definitely uh, encourage you to check it out. Um, very easy to share, and now you can brag to anyone at all times. 
Absolutely. And last up here, we have a quick little update on our Humble Bundle monthly affiliate link. If you want to find anything to do uh, with cool stuff on Humble Bundle, you can click our affiliate link by typing exclamation point Humble in our Discord or on our Twitch feed. And we still have the Ash Scope Sensitivity Calculator link in the show notes for the last time. But that's going to do it for announcements, folks. If you want to learn more about D.Va, now's the time. Let's get into the mech suits and go. We've got some rocket boosters for you. No hands required. GLI test. So, Tassarn, talk yeah. to me about fundamentals on Diva. Let's start with the core. Start with the basics. What do we what do we want to know when we sit down and we're picking Diva? So why are we picking her? What do we uh, plan to do when we're playing her? Uh, you're picking Diva because your team needs an off tank, basically. Um, <clears throat> you can play Diva with almost any main tank. Uh, the only main tank I would not recommend playing with Diva is Orisa. Uh, so Diva works very well with specifically Reinhardt and Winston. Uh, the fundamentals you need to know about Diva or her basic core mechanic is that she has infinite ammo, and she's the only hero that specifically have infinite ammo. You can just keep shooting and shooting. Uh, that is basic, and you have two lives. That is basically the main parts about her. Uh, when you play Diva, uh, you need to like, <clears throat> you need to know when you can play frontline, and when you need to peel. Uh, peeling is when you fall back to protect your backline, and those are the main things. Uh, she is a she's kind of what we call a bruiser uh she moves in she hits and runs she can take you out immediately or you can be destroyed immediately uh and those are the main things when can you play frontline when can you flank when do you need to peel and uh, usually uh, i can't really bring up a situation right now apart from uh, maybe there's a tracer behind harassing your senyata then you need to fly back and help that senyata uh, because D.Va has this ability called Defense Matrix. Basically, uh, Defense Matrix, is uh, it eats almost anything apart from beam weapons. So you cannot eat Saria, Symmetra, or Mei. Uh, their primary fire, that is. Um, <clears throat> so if you need to peel, you simply fly back Defense Matrix and try to get that bruiser away from your supports. And then you need to go back to your frontline. So... Basically, you really need to utilize Diva's mobility to move back and forth all the time. It's a depending very depending on how the situation changes. It's a very dynamic hero in that sense, like you're saying. You're constantly moving back and forth, and with Diva, you have to change your mindset very quick, going from being very aggressive and, like you said, being a bruiser, going to pick up fights, challenge people. Um, you're great at challenging hit scans, for example, or Hanzos that are alone by the flanks. You can just quickly rush to them, kill them with missiles, and or at least make them back out and not be able to have that position over your team. But then just as quickly, you can fall back and protect your allies and instead become more of that babysitter, right? Um, where you're just protecting people from harm and from flanks, maybe from that far that's trying to get into your backline, um, etc. So it it's not as intuitive at first when you play this hero, 
Uh, I feel like a lot of people might spend too much time in the front line trying to challenge the Saria and the Reinhardt while they might might be better used uh, somewhere else. But it definitely takes some time getting used to it, I, I found, at least learning D.Va my, on my own. Uh, yeah. So, um, Tasarna, let's talk about... Uh, actually, I'm going to weave in a user question because I think that it fits right here, which is... Um, something that Zadka asked us, which is what are some of the main diva play styles? Because I feel like, and what I've seen within top level play and even just any level of play is that diva is one of the most dynamic heroes for choosing a particular style to play a specific hero. And there is a very large range with differences for how people favor certain abilities or certain styles of play. Um, with regards to this particular off tank. Yeah. Uh, so basically, as I mentioned before, uh, there are, I see D.Va having at least three different playstyles, and that is frontline, flanker, or defensive. Um, <clears throat> basically, you, I can't say you can play D.Va as any other tank because D.Va is very different. She has a very huge hitbox and a crit box. Basically, you shoot at the glass of the mech and you will get a headshot um, mm -hmm. so if uh, caught in the wrong moment a diva will lose her mech very quickly uh, so depend you need to really think about when you can make the engagements usually you can you only use your boosters as an escape or an engage you usually don't have the time to use it as both uh, so you need to be very considerate when you wish to use your boosters uh, <clears throat> Like, let's say you fly in, you see a an, an enemy Senyara in the back line, and you're in a position as you can dive him. Then that's when you have to make the choice, do I want to rush this Senyara and take him down quickly, or should I fall back and play it safe? And uh, this is usually where people stress out a little bit. They simply see the enemy and they rush in, and then they're caught off guard. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is why D.Va, believe it or not, she needs a lot of awareness, probably one of the heroes that needs the most awareness in the game. Because you need to know exactly where everyone is at all times. Because if you don't, you might get ambushed very easily, because she's a very big target. Um, so, you really need to choose if you want to stay with your Reinhardt, if you want to make sure that your supports are protected, or if you want to flank around. And uh, <clears throat> then, of course, she can also be played in a divey matter. Um, if uh, you play a Winston instead of a Reinhardt, of course. And then her goal is to always follow the Winston in and babysit the Winston. Uh, usually, in the current meta, Dive is basically kill their supports before they kill our supports. Uh, so you don't really have time to peel if you play Dive. Right. Okay, great. Um, let's keep moving here because we have a lot of things that we can talk about. But um, I want to I want to take one more basic um, from fundamentals and kind of like highlighting the fun fundamental things here, which is with regards to what is the most common issues you see with players playing Diva improperly or playing Diva the wrong way. What what is some of the things that you see as if this is being done? I see this with every Diva player I coach. <laughs> oh, um, very good question, actually. What is the thing most D.Va players disregard? I would say it's their hitbox, honestly. Uh, okay. They don't seem to understand that 
they die very quickly. You're gigantic and really easy to hit. Exactly. <laughs> uh, they think that just because they're playing a tank and have 200 armor, uh, they are, you know, uh, oh man, what happened to my English there? Uh, they are unkillable <laughs> <laughs> um, for a moment. And as I mentioned, uh, Diva's uh, headshot box is huge. Um, so that's a lot what I notice when people are trying to play frontline or as flankers. Uh, they simply dive into everyone and think they will get out alive. Uh, so usually yeah, the armor is only going to get you so far. Exactly. <laughs> I, uh, I okay. I want to add one more thing here too, and this one's kind of like my own opinion, but undervaluing defense matrix. Defense matrix is such an incredibly powerful ability. And it can mitigate as much damage as, you know, a Reinhardt shield can, and if not more than that. Um, and you have to think about Defense Matrix as one of the most valuable resources that your team as a whole has. And every time you're flanking or every time you're getting aggressive on your own or using Defense Matrix just to defend yourself is an opportunity cost for your team. And you have to think about it as a team resource. Um, and I see newer Divas really not understand this and usually use defense matrix um, in situations where it's not very efficient or it's only used to protect themselves rather than use it to protect uh, the team as a whole. That's, that's kind of what I want to put out there. Mm. Um, defense matrix is uh, you, as I mentioned earlier, like awareness with Diva because awareness isn't only knowing where everyone is. It's knowing your HP. It's knowing your ability cooldowns. It's knowing basically everything that's going around. Right, where your teammates your are. Exactly. If they're it's getting targeted. Everything. Uh, so with defense matrix, you have to decide: Do you wish to use the full defense matrix in one go to block something big, or do you want to be more conservative with it and simply? Uh, bring it up for small bursts of damage. And here's the thing. Do you use it to only defend your team or do you use it in more aggressive manners as well? Like the defense matrix is such uh, a big utility to have. Uh, I would say it's probably, as you mentioned, one of the most important defensive mechanics in the game. Because let's say Afara uses Barrage. You can use that defense matrix to approach that Fara and use yourself as a vault so that the Fara will kill herself. Um, <clears> then <throat> you can approach a soldier or any hit scan with the defense matrix and gain ground to be able to utilize your shotguns. You can use the defense matrix to uh, protect your Winston as he dives in, and you can use it to protect your supports if they get flanked. Um, so defense matrix is a very considerate awareness ability as well. Like what is going on? Should I use it for, to approach the enemy? Should I use it to defend my main tank? Should I use it to defend my supports? Or should I use it to get away? Mm. Absolutely. There's, there's one thing that I want to highlight with regards to what both of you guys were saying, which is that D.Va has this weird capability of just being the one of the largest targets that people just love to shoot because yeah. she's so big. It, it's, it's even not so much about her crit box, but just... I want to highlight again, it's the hitbox. She's just a massive target. for, And that's not something that should be ignored when we're trying to teach how to play a hero as well as how to kill that hero. 
um, in coaching sessions because of this size, it also means that you're also easier for people to hit who have less mechanical abilities. You're going to be just this large beacon of something that somebody can shoot, even if you're not supposed to be shot at that. I mean, you're not the priority target in the proper fight sequence. People are still just going to shoot you. One, one so you thing, can use that to your advantage. One thing to keep in mind, though, is that a lot of the times Diva is the initial priority target. A lot of people will want to get sure. Diva outside of her mech, at least, because just the mech, having Diva inside the mech itself, it's a huge deterrent, right? Like your mm -hmm. soldier can't visor, uh, McCree can't Deadeye. Um, there's, there's so many things that people can't do when D.Va is inside of the mech. So a lot of the times, if the D.Va is not playing it right and they have free shots on the mech, they will definitely take him on you. They will not waste that opportunity. So we brought in Defense Matrix as like our main thing here. So let's kind of park there for a little bit longer. We have some things that you can do while you're doing Defense Matrix. Sometimes you can't always do this with other heroes, but during Defense Matrix, D.Va can actually operate other functions at the same time. So she can uh, I, use micro missiles or she can use her boosters at the same time as using the, the thing. So why don't you talk a little bit about weaving this together with other abilities and also um, kind of what runs through your mind when you're trying to use them together? Uh, usually I, I prefer to never use micro missiles when I use defense matrix. Um, usually <clears throat> I think uh, when you play as D.Va and you want to flank, you need to like if you decide to commit to something you need to commit there is no going back when you commit Estiva. so basically bringing you using the defense matrix too early will make you deal less damage and using it too late will make you die you need to find that kind of sweet spot like diva has a guaranteed kill um it's a confirmed kill on 200 hp targets it's when she rocket boosts, shoot at the same time, and use micro missiles at the same time. That is almost a kill confirmed on any mobile 200 HP target. That is caught off guard. Uh, you, but if you bring up your defense matrix, you cannot utilize your main guns, and that's where, uh, what I meant with if you want, if you decide to commit, you need to really commit. Um, You're using all of the offensive resources instead of mixing offense and defense. You're committing exactly. all of your attacks on one one dive more or less exactly and uh yeah there's so there's like a combo oh, there's like a combo of damage with it right when you use your boosters anyone you hit you will deal 50 damage and you will knock him back a little bit um so if you time everything right if you're boosting towards a person and right before you get to them you fire missiles you shoot your guns um, you're going to hit them for a lot of damage. Like you were saying, you can one-shot any 200 HP hero. Exactly. Uh, what you basically, usually how the combo works is you run towards them, you activate boosters, you start shooting missiles, and you shoot your main guns. In If you time it correctly, your uh, boop or uh, the rocket boosters will hit the target and finish them off in the end. Or mm -hmm. you can simply melee them down. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, <clears throat> That's basically it. So, but if you bring up your defense matrix, you are going to lose out on your primary fire. Yeah, you, you're going right. to lose a big chunk of your damage. There there exactly. are certain situations, what do you think about these, uh, that I found myself in? Um, 
when you get a little bit cut off guard, somebody's close to you, you can use your defense matrix as they're unloading their their clip on you, but at the same time, you can use your missiles to put pressure on them because I think one of the worst things you can do as D.Va is just stand in front of a target when you're about to get surrounded, just using your defense matrix without putting out any pressure, right? Um, <clears throat> basically, those situations, uh, we can talk on and on and on about this because... We can always bring up, what if the soldier had helix rockets? What if the diva had rocket boosters <laughs> and just flew away? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, right. Um, but in a situation, if you're getting shot, and let's say now from the side, you need to quickly be able to locate that target, know where he's shooting from, try to reposition back to your team, or simply back off around a corner using defense matrix. Uh, if you are the one getting shot first, uh, I almost say that if Diva is surprised, she will lose the fight 100% of the time. She will even lose against the Senyata shooting her from the side. Uh, mm. To be honest, I would even say that in a complete fair, one versus one, uh, even Lucio uh, wins against Diva in her mech. And that mm. is the main problem. As Diva, you need to be very considerate about what fights you take and why you take those fights. And then you're also trying to get into situations where you're trying to avoid the 1v1 or you're trying to initiate a 1v1 so that they take an unfavorable position to set your team up, right? You're trying to use this combination with other factors in the game to inform when you take those fights. Exactly. Uh, As Diva, you want want to force people to play by your rules. Uh, You don't want to play by their rules. Um, And basically, that is kind of what off-tanks are for. I see a very good thing in the chat here from Carson Wusser. Uh, Does the large hitbox uh, distract enemy from higher priority targets? And that is completely true. Uh, D.Va is a big, bright, usually pink target on the field. Uh, <laughs> usually you pink. You can't ignore her. You can't ignore her. Um, Usually, and because of her hitbox being so large, even though she's not directly in front of a target, you might misfire and hit her instead. And that is why she also fails to roll as an off-tank. She she easily forces you to focus her instead of other targets. Hmm. And um, with regards to defense matrix, let's kind of go the different route, right? So we have a little bit of highlighting of the offensive so how do we how do we shift gears if we're going to commit all offensively like we do like we talked about for diving how do we how do we commit to a defensive push within utilizing diva's kit what is what does that look like going all in on defense for her uh all in defense right so um, Hmm. i'll use kind of a weird illustration and maybe this is incorrect but i want to just kind of pitch this to you and see what you think there is something that exists within the dive meta because, you, like you said earlier, you babysit a Winston. Yep. So by using a peeling or a removing of damage or a defensive style of push, you're committing to protecting a hero. All in, You're all in by using the boosters to follow Winston and using the Matrix to protect him when he gets there. And then you just go with him. You're dealing damage what stuff he's hitting. You're following him around. You're waiting until he's ready to leave, and then you leave together. It's just like this buddy-buddy system, right? Exactly. Uh, 
Now the thing is here, uh, you only use your matrix until the Winston lands, because when, when the Winston lands, he uses his bubble. And that's when you once again need to commit to your damage. Uh, <clears throat> usually when you play dive, you will have at least three or two more heroes coming in to assist you. And basically the fundamentals of this bring down your dive and priority target as fast as possible to cause distraction in the enemy ranks. So uh, as fast as the Winston bubble can be deployed safely for you guys, you bring down your defense matrix and you deal damage instead. So you shift gears at the same time that the Winston does the bubble. It's like you have a light switch for when to turn your 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 defense off so that Winston's is on, and then you can go offense. Exactly. And that's a great point that gets often overlooked. You don't want to stack the Winston shield and your defense matrix because at that point, it's kind of like when both supports like use their ultimate at the same time. It's kind of overkill. Uh, you're going to take out a lot of damage, but then... Once the barrier is gone, you're going to have no defense matrix. Uh, and you're going to be cut up in, a, in an awkward situation there. Exactly. Uh, because what's the point? Like, imagine you're behind a Reinhardt who's holding up a shield and you bring up out your defense matrix. Uh, it's basically the same point with the Winston bubble. Yeah, because yeah. With the Winston bubble, you can, you know, you can shield them mm. um, while you harass the target. They can shoot you, but you can still shoot them, whatever you do. Mm. And that's the point here. If the bubble goes down prematurely, you might want to bring up your defense matrix to tank some of the damage. But usually, uh, if you don't kill your dive target in the first few seconds of the initial dive, it's better to simply reset. Mm -hmm. Right. So, Tassar, can you talk a little bit more about um, playing with other tanks? That's something we've touched on quite a bit here. We've talked a lot about Winston. We've talked a little bit about playing with Reinhardt. But how do you maintain playing with the others? We have Wrecking Ball or Hammond. We have uh, Zarya. We also have the Reinhardts. And um, I think that... And Orisas. Orisas is also um, the last tank in the bunch so far. <laughs> um, I'm mainly... I still really haven't figured out if I want to call Hammond an off tank or a main tank, to be honest. Right, right. Um, We're still figuring that out. As a community, yeah. I think, at large. Um, <clears throat> but I'm going to go into Orisa first. Usually you okay. pick Orisa when you want to play in show calls. And D.Va isn't really a hero simply to play in show calls. Uh, so I would never say that if you your team wants to play a 2-2-2 defensive composition, D.Va is not the hero to pick. Uh, you can, of course, make some weird composition, but I highly recommend against it. Uh, playing in goats or triple tank, the uh, normal triple tank, with other heroes like Saria, uh, basically you need to, you can no longer fill a, as big of a tank role. You're basically just there to be part of a death ball, basically. Um, <clears throat> so when it comes to playing with a different tank, like of course you still need to think about your defense matrix the same way you think about the defense matrix. Uh, like, you need to have a simple mindset for the paint matrix. Like, it's a very simple thing when you actually get into it. You can't never overthink it. Um, the more you play, the faster you are going to be able to calculate when can I use it, when can I not use it. Just and get a feel for it. Exactly. The thing here, when you're playing goats, or tri uh, you are the... Uh, 
<laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no so worries. three tanks, um, more or less, folks. <laughs> exactly. Uh, <clears throat> when playing, let's say you're playing Diva in a Goat's composition, you are the only person that can actually counter, let's say, a Pharah or any hero that plays on the high ground away from your Goats. Mm -hmm. And this leaves you a very vulnerable target. So here you really need to communicate with your team what you need to do. Like maybe you can ask for Saria to bubble you before you go in. You can ask Brigitte uh, to throw armor on you, etc. But usually you are a very endangered species uh, when you play Diva. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, you, as you are the only one to actually utilize long-range weapons, uh, so to say. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. That's fair. So it is very situational uh, to what you want to do and when you want to do it. Uh, do you simply stick with the death ball, or do you contest that Anna harassing your team on the high ground? And then there's a problem. If you decide to go up there and you get caught off guard, uh, there's nothing really you can do, and the goats fall apart. Uh, so you need to be very inconsiderate, and you communication wins games, basically. Uh, that's basically what I can say. There isn't really much more to it. Yeah, yeah. What about when you're playing with your Reinhardt? Because there's a different dynamic there when you're playing like with just a Reinhardt. Usually... You might be going against something like a Reinhard Zarya, for example, which which Zarya is like enemy, public enemy number one of Diva, right? You don't want to be around a Zarya for too long as Diva. So how do you play in those situations? Because like you said, Reinhardt and Diva can work together and they actually have some cool interactions. Uh, but how do you approach that pairing? Uh, just also, I forgot to throw in uh, Roadhog earlier to considerations. He's kind of like the, the forgotten tank brother of off tanks right now <laughs> with regards to the meta. He, he's an EXP pinata. You don't play. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the only time I want to see a Roadhog is with Roadhog Eraser, basically. Mm -hmm. uh, because the yoinks. currently, Road, yeah, yoinks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, currently, Roadhog doesn't really fit into anything else. Mm. Um, but Reinhardt Diva is fairly straightforward. Uh, basically, you are in control of the front line most of the time. But when playing, when playing uh, Reinhardt Diva, you pick Diva simply because she has those peeling uh, capabilities uh, that Saria doesn't. Saria can bubble one target, which can be popped fairly easily, whilst Diva can act as that this big massive shield while pushing you around which makes mm. diva the ultimate support peeler um sure and that is usually why you if you want to pick uh, like let's say the enemy has a really good tracer player mm. maybe saria won't be the perfect choice maybe we should go diva instead simply so that she can save our senyata if senyata mm. is getting his ass handed mm. to him mm -hmm. um sure so it is a very situational pick saria or diva like you need to consider why do we, would we want a diva instead of a Saria? They have a Saria that will just feed off our diva. Uh, <clears throat> but here's the thing about diva: like Saria melts diva when Saria is at high energy, and diva can't do anything to protect herself from Saria. But diva also melts tanks just as easily as Reaper melts tanks. 
because Diva's weapons, believe it or not, they are shotguns, basically. Mm-hmm. The closer you are, the much more damage they deal. And they have, I think she shoots around 11 pellets per shot. Uh, That's correct. Which, uh, which uh, I think she has 400 rounds per minute, basically. Like, she, in one minute, she can pump up 400 bullets. Yeah, it's uh, a ton. <clears throat> she does, like, six-ish a second, to give exactly. you an idea. Uh, and this is, I think it is uh, 200 per gun, so it's not 400 per gun, it's 200 per gun. Uh, but imagine if a diva is standing right next to a Saurian just pumping these bullets into Saria's head. Uh, the Saria is going to melt. And that, that's when we come into even more situational awareness with D.Va. Uh, right. When can I move in for the kill? When can I not? When do I need to protect? And when can I commit? And if I'm going to be super straightforward here, <laughs> basically everything... I can say about Diva, I will always bring awareness in, because that is basically how the hero works. She's one of the most situational awareness craving heroes in the game. Absolutely, and a, a big part of that awareness comes, or comes down to where you position yourself. I've noticed that really good divas almost seem invincible. Like you can't never take him out of their mech. They're just flying around, zooming everywhere. Um, if you manage to take them out of their mech, they have their ultimate, so they regain it right back and they're back at it in no time. Well, I've seen people who are just starting to learn D.Va, they're very easy to take out of the mech. They spend a lot of time maybe as baby D.Va just shooting you from the side, trying to regain it, or um, they're not using their, their defense matrix appropriately because they're not positioned in the right places. Can you speak a little bit to to that, to positioning to survive basically uh diva is uh, very good at contesting high grounds uh if you know where you have your support so that you can always get the healing that you need uh diva is one of the best heroes to hold high grounds with um <clears throat> like let's say you're attacking the first point on horizon lunar colony uh you can always leave basically always leave your team to contest the high ground as diva because your team will always have a pretty decent view of where you are. So if, let's say, you play with a Zenyatta, Zenyatta can just put his orb on you. Um, and this works for any map. Like, D.Va is a very good hero on King's Row. She's a very good hero on Numbani. <clears throat> Horizon Lunar Colony, Volskaya. <laughs> you get the point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, she's viable on almost every map. Um, the only time I dislike having a D.Va on my team is Town. Uh, because uh, there are too many ambush locations. Um, but yeah, so <clears throat> when it comes to positioning on D.Va, you need to once again consider, uh, do they need me in the front line, or can I go around and flank, or do they need me in the back line, basically. So uh, would you consider D.Va to be one of the characters that you need to be watching just as much your own teammates as the enemy team because when i talk with players or when i play diva i feel like i'm like observing 11 players way more than i would on some supports because <laughs> even on supports you're like okay they have to be around me when i'm playing lucio or i'm glass cannon and i'm kind of playing more like dps on zenyana but kind of sort of supporting and anna's kind of like that and mercy's kind of like that but 
You know, they have like different things. I feel like Diva has like 6,000 buttons to press and everyone to watch. And you're like, what am I supposed to do here? Like you were saying with regards to, man, I've got to, I've got to maintain game sense is like the one thing that just keeps yelling in my head. I have to know what's going on at all times. Yeah. Um, the, your best friend in Overwatch are the sound cues. Uh <clears throat> Because basically the sound cues tells you exactly where those people are and when they're doing something. Uh, so basically you don't need to see them. If you listen and you have this those good headphones or basically any sound at all, uh, you will hear exactly where, let's say that McCree is high noon in. Uh, you will hear exactly when the tracer is blinking and where she's blinking too, for example. Uh, so even if you sure. don't see your enemies, you will know where they are, and from that you can adapt and play. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I think that's a lot. That's that's pretty much most of it. And, but without getting into specific questions from the community, the last thing we need to talk about is the two sides of the same coin, which is uh, over overvaluing self destruct and undervaluing self destruct. One of the most common things with this one ability that I've seen, and I think that that's just the only talking point we need right now before we move into the ability itself. The self destruct. Yeah. Um, usually, the self destruct is also once again. I'm sorry for bringing this up so often, but a very situational ability. It's uh, very. Do you yeah. want to use it? Uh, do you want to use it to get back into your mech more quicker, or do you want to use it to initiate a fight? Um, and yeah. Basically, you need to always overthink, like, is this a fight? Should I save it for the initial dive and see if I die fast or not? Or should I just shoot it in and allow my team to dive with the bomb instead of me? Um, mm. As well as a zoning uh, tool for overtime situations. Exactly. It's a very good zoning tool. Uh, <clears throat> and, of course, once again, communication. I'm gonna use my bomb. Lucio, can you boop up the Reinhardt, for example? Right. Uh, things like or Sombra, that. can you hack the Reinhardt, or can you hack exactly. something, right? So, with regards to self-destruct, let's talk about utilizing some of the tips and tricks. This ability has a lot of really, really cool things you can do with it. So, why don't you it talk does. a little bit about that and how the interactions are with this ability? Um, just as her rocket boosters work, if you fly into a wall... Uh, you're gonna glide with that wall. Uh, so let's take King's Row, for example. A little bit after the first point, you have this massive wall uh, in encroaching the uh, narrow path which the payload travels. If And this works for any wall in the game. If you aim your rocket boosters towards a specific area of that wall, or any area basically, your, when you throw your self-destruct, your self-destructing mech will glide next to that wall and follow the enemies as they run away from it. Uh, so that is a very uh, good way to use the diva mech if you want to use it offensively. Uh, <clears throat> basically, be sneaky. Throw it against a wall, and that diva mech will chase <laughs> your enemies like a hungry beast. Um, <laughs> another way is, of course, to use it if you die too fast. Uh, if you find yourself in a situation where you're going out quickly, you can use the self-destruct to get away and remake when it goes off. Usually this does not grant you a single kill, but it will allow you to play with your mech. Because you might have seen that if, let's say your team wins a fight and 
the diva is a baby diva, you can usually see that baby diva jump off the edge of the map sometimes just to get her mech back because the mech is such a big core mechanic of diva. It's so valuable. Uh, exactly. Uh, because when you're baby diva, you have the HP of a tracer, you have less damage and no mobility and no matrix. Exactly. <laughs> I actually want to talk against the no mobility. Have you ever tried yeah. hitting a baby diva crouching, <laughs> jumping around? Like oh, yeah. That's it can right. be a nightmare sometimes. Mobility abilities. We'll stick with, with the core uh, <laughs> definitions of mobility before we get into the ridiculous hitbox that is baby diva. <laughs> <laughs> that um, thing sucks to hit with Hanzo, and I've been playing a lot of Hanzo this last week, and it's baby divas, dude. Tell you what. Just go um, melee them 20,000 times, and then they'll die. Exactly. <laughs> um, uh, she has less DPS than a Mercy Pistol, basically. Um, so, you have no abilities, you only have your ultimate and your gun. You either want to take your own life and get that mech back as fast as possible, or if you have the possibilities, shoot a high target that won't be focusing you to get your mech back as fast as possible. Because out of mechs, you recharge your mech very quickly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that is why a lot of people like D.Va, because it feels like you can get so many chances before you die. Yeah, it's mm. almost like having a second life when your mech is down, exactly. you have a second chance that come back. Exactly. Um... <clears throat> But back to the self-destruct, uh, so yeah, you can use it there, but you also need to be a little bit uh, careful when you wish to recall your mech, because they can shoot that mech as you climb into it, and that mech can end up exploding before you even get to use a single ability or shot. Yeah, you're very uh, so vulnerable yeah, at you that have a full time. two seconds. Full two exactly. seconds. Not only that, but when and you're calling your mech, there's like a, a small window where you're just standing completely still, and I, I'm i a hitscan player, so I know that I'll be looking for that moment when I'm playing Widow, McCree, or uh, Ash. Just wait for the last second when the mech comes down and just shoot her in the head. One shot, kill, you're done with it. So you got to really watch right. out when you're pulling out that mech. You can't be very vulnerable or make sure nobody's aiming at you at that time. Or, I mean, they can uh, be aiming at you, but just make sure, you know, keep keep that in mind. You're vulnerable. Usually, you want to position yourself so that you look them straight in the face because that will put you, your mech in, in front of them, the, right? Them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, even though your mech takes a lot of damage, it will protect you and actually allow you to get into it. Yeah, because I it's see a, a lot shield. of people simply call it down immediately, not caring about where they are, and I'm standing behind them, shooting them in the head as they do. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, that's something you have to think about. You can survive a few seconds extra without your mech and simply reposition yourself. Uh, then the self-destruct, as I mentioned, you can slide it against walls. Uh, that is a very great mechanic. Uh, you can use it to stall a point. You can use it to get your mech back. Uh, <clears throat> you can also use it to initiate fights. Uh, or you can be sneaky. You can tell your team, hey, I'm going to flank around. and then you flank around, and then your team goes in, causing some ruckus. Then you stand behind this house, and you shoot your mech in from behind the house, coming in behind the enemies, blowing up in their backs. Uh, so there are very many, many ways you can utilize the D.Va explosions. I think, yeah, like you're saying, when you're using it offensively, when you're using the bomb to try to get kills, the sneakier that you can be the better with the bomb because if you're very obvious with it 
it's very easy to see for the entering team. One is this like flying, shining ball that's about to explode. It makes a, an incredibly loud sound. You can hear that thing from miles away. Um, and it's like glowing red with like this exclamation point. So like there's no missing that thing if you're very obvious with it. And it's very easy to avoid once you can see where it's coming from. You can hide almost behind any post, card, payload, wall, door, shield that your team has. A lot of heroes have abilities that they can just save for the last minute to neglect it, right? Like Saria shield or Reinhardt shield. Um, even Roadhog can just use his, uh, take a breather to mitigate most of the damage and still outlive yeah. the bomb. So the sneakier you can be with it, the better. And I really like the the glide against the wall thing. I think that I saw that in Overwatch League. I think uh, it was Poco who would use that a lot of the time. It's a very cool trick, like you were saying. If you just aim the mech like diagonal on a wall, you use your boosters and you activate your ultimate, the mech just slides off the wall until it reaches the end. And when it reaches the end, it goes back at full speed. So it's almost like like the junk the junk rat rip tire trick where you just like smash it against the wall to kind of muffle the sound for a bit um or hide the the tire for a little bit and then come out and surprise them it's kind of like that same principle you're using the wall to slow down the momentum for a little bit and um confuse them like where is this thing coming from kind of thing mm. exactly mm. and another thing to consider your mech cannot stand on any surface that you can't. So let's say you want to shoot it against a rooftop. It will glide off that rooftop. Mm -hmm. uh, so there are many positions where you can aim your diva mech just as a surprise mechanic. And nobody will expect the diva mech to come tumbling down the roofs, uh, roofs on Eichenwald, for example. Yeah, exactly. Um, there's also some good spots to be dropping it um, with regards to using... 360 degrees not just thinking of like fronts and backs and flanks but looking up in the sky because of the hitboxes sometimes it'll catch people off guard by having the difference of running it into a building running it into the ground like a high ground ground and then it's slowly going and then all at once when it clears the thing that it's running into slowly the diva mech will shoot off at full speed like we've been saying this whole time and it'll jump and catch them really far off guard. And I've seen people use this into the ground just to like get it to go slowly off high ground. I've seen people run it into a wall. It looks almost like flat. And then it kind of just at the last second of the last uh, like 0.5 seconds, it just fires in there. So there's all kinds of stuff there. There's also just the classic diva bomb going from low ground, shooting it up in the straight in the sky. and goes right above somebody's hitbox. Reinhardt gets sleep darted because he has to block the diva mech and gets blown up. So there's all kinds of crazy stuff that you can do with this ability. To close Makes out the sense. show, though, we do need to get into a couple of our user questions. So I'm going to pick one more. And then, um, Andres, you can pick one. And then if there's any of these other ones to Sarn that you think are really, really solid questions on top of those, we can go from there. All right. So the first one here that I'm going to choose is um, the one that I have from um, Shazir. So this one talks about the term feathering with regards to defense matrix. It has what he says is a, um, it seems to have a minimum use percentage point on the meter. 
and uh, the duration that you have available to you. How do you balance kind of feathering versus just dumping the entire matrix? When do I know when to just click it and tap it versus, you know, going all in on my matrix? Uh, I think we touched on this earlier, actually, uh, when I said, like, there are certain times when you want to, you know, uh, very good question, by the way. Uh, <clears throat> there are certain times when you want to, you know, move in to use it as an offensive tool to when you want to use it as a uh, defensive tool. Uh, like, let's say Afara uses her ultimates, you want to hold that defense matrix down. And while you hold it down, you can fly up to that far and make the far kill herself by with her own barrage. Mm -hmm. um, like, but let's say now you are noticing a certain change of playstyle in the enemy Saria. This usually means that maybe the Saria has her graviton search. Keep an eye on that Saria very hard. Don't don't use your defense matrix too often. Don't give away what you're trying to do. Uh, Never use it prematurely. Uh, <clears throat> when using her defense matrix in a click style base, uh, you use it to mitigate small amount of damage that isn't that you know uh, dangerous, but it will still help your team to mitigate that damage to prevent uh, some ult charge uh, for your enemies. Uh, so basically, depending on situations like. If you retreat, if you're in a full retreat, hold up your defense matrix as you back away. If you're not in a full retreat, be more careful with it. Uh, use it more for certain situations. Look in the change of play. And this goes for any hero that you play uh, when it comes to ultimate tracking. Look in certain changes of playstyles that you haven't noticed that maybe your enemies have been playing before. Like, let's say you're sorry, it's super aggressive now. Okay, sorry, I might be trying something here. And then you hear that Russian voice line, and then you can click your defense matrix immediately. Mm -hmm. Lightning fingers. Mm -hmm. uh, it, but I would never great. recommend the clicking, letting go, clicking, letting go. Never do that. Yeah, it's a it's a good way to put it. When you're when you're feathering, like Shasir says, you're reacting to things. You're never just blindly, you know, just activating and putting away. Because there's a delay between when you put your defense matrix away and when you can bring it up again. And if you're going up against decent players, um, they're going to be looking for those opportunities. They're going to be looking out for when your defense matrix goes down and they know they have a window of opportunity. Um, I, an easy way to test this is sometimes good Ryans will do this. They'll do a fake out where they lower their shield, wait for the diva to put up the, the defense matrix because the diva thinks that he's going to use his shockwave or what, what do we call it, Rob? Oh, um, fire strike. The fire strike. Yeah. Yeah. So instead of using the fire strike, the Reinhardt just lowers his shield, waits for the defense matrix to come back up. Once Diva sees that there's no fire strike coming, she lowers the defense matrix. Then the fire, then the fire strike comes. Um, so you can be faked out very easily like this. So you want to be very reactive. You don't want to pull up that matrix until you see the yellow line coming out of the Reinhardt, for example. Or like you said, looking for that Sarya. If Sarya knows that you're waiting for her for to graviton to defense matrix she's gonna hold on to it until she sees you lower the matrix then that's her window of opportunity um so you gotta be very mindful of when you're just you know tapping the matrix exactly 
you can also play mind games uh, with your enemies. Like, suddenly you can change the way you use your matrix. Uh, let's say uh, you play against a Moira. Uh, when you see a Moira orb coming, you simply bring up your matrix, take that Moira orb away, then bring it down. Then suddenly, the next time you take out a Moira orb, you suddenly hold on to that matrix and aim it towards the enemy. Uh, be and maybe they will waste something on your matrix just because oh diva suddenly held it up longer she hasn't done that before um mm. so just making the watch, mix ups uh, happen exactly it, there's you constantly need to adapt and change your playstyle depending on situations and by playing mind games with your enemies they are going to be more cautious towards you Absolutely. they're never going to know for certain you're going to be be unpredictable basically yeah yeah I'm going to go ahead and bring up this other question from Paradroid that is related to the Finn's Matrix as well. He says, My damage block has always been lower than the average according to popular stat sites. What's a good damage block per 10 minutes to shoot for? Is this stat even worth tracking as it appears to be very situational? Um, I will say... If, you're, if your damage block seems a little lower than other people around your rank, you might want to look into when you're using defense matrix and what you're using it for. Um, because if they're just like shooting at you regularly, and like we said, maybe your Reinhardt shield is close to you, um, you don't even have to matrix at that time. You're just kind of AFKing matrix. You're just pulling it up when you see damage come to you. You might not be using it at the best times. You really want to use it to mitigate very significant damage. We were just using the example of the fire strike before. Eating one fire strike is going to count a lot towards your damage eaten rather than if you're just, you know, eating other diva bullets, for example, that are being shot at you. So I think choosing it wisely and choosing the abilities that you're matrixing out and being on the lookout for those abilities can really increase the damage block that you can do. Um, you can eat almost every fire strike that Reinhardt throws at you if you're looking out for them, uh, for example. You, do you want to add anything here? Um, basically, what you touched on in the end, it depends on what kind of damage he blocks. Uh, basically, you can uh, you can eat every like a lot of damage uh, in an entire match, but what kind of damage do you block? Like... Do you block important damage, or do you just continuously block uh, minor damage like spam throughout damage. an entire game? Exactly. Uh, so I would say don't pay too much attention to your damage blocked. Think about what you yourself block instead. Do you know? Maybe you did you like did you block a lot of fire strikes? Did you block a Hanso dragon, for example? Uh, yeah, Hanzo might... Dragon is like a huge, like it'll count for what, like at least like a thousand damage block, I would say. Most likely, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the thing that's really deceptive about some of the stat sites that you have to be aware of. Like what you were touching on, Tassarn, you have to be careful because sometimes the damage is just going to be trash. So even if you have a super high number in this in this particular stat at your rank, it may not even be indicative of good diva play at all. Even having a low one could could be reflective of the same thing. It could be two different pulls on the same problem. You're just overvaluing the ability on bad things or you're undervaluing it on good things. So you have to think about it in both of these ways. And then the other thing too is that D.Va's damage that she eats in a couple of different ways can also 
look different. For example, the we'll use Fire Strike again because we've been touching on it a lot. Fire Strike represents one set of damage. It does, you know, like 70 damage. Let's just say it does 70. I don't actually know what it is off the top of my head right now, but let's say it does 70, 75 some damage, something like that. If that Fire Strike hits two targets, it now doubles in damage. And if it hits a third, dam a third target, it triples in damage. So when you eat it, the statistic websites are only going to tell you you ate one instance of it versus if your team is all lined up in a row and he's fire striking your 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 Reinhardt and you're trying to peel for the whole team who's clustered up in a choke, you eating that damage actually represents five times the amount of damage that you just ate and, and for, for went. And the same situation would be um, other heroes and other things. But if you're looking to see what is stuff that is important, think about what is the highest damage sources that enemies um, and allies would like to do on that hero. If I'm playing soldier, I want to eat a helix rocket because that thing does a lot of damage. If the enemy is running a Hanzo, I want to be eating his storm arrows every time he's got it because that's a lot of shots really, really quickly, whether it's into an ally, into nothing, or into a barrier, it's still a lot of damage that you can be eating. So just keep all of these things in mind as you look through that sort of thing. Yeah, and look, um, and like trying to, to predict the damage too, uh, like there's tells where you know damage is going to coming in. I know I keep bringing up the Reinhardt example, but if you're playing with a Reinhardt, um, the moment he's going to fire strike, you know that there's going to be damage coming in towards him. The enemy team is going to use that opportunity to try to squeeze in damage. Uh, so you, as D.Va, you knowingly knowing this, you can just knowingly knowing this, you can just aim your matrix <laughs> at him every time he fire strikes, guaranteeing you're going to block significant damage, right? That your Reinhardt is otherwise just going to take. Yeah. Now, there's one thing that, that seemed a little bit more about something that the uh, user wanted us to talk about that I wanted to highlight. Is, and this is, again, from Zadka asking about what's called boop or knockback resistance when you are utilizing your rocket boosters. And I'll, I'll, if, if you're kind of like not really understanding what this means, I'll explain it a little bit, and then I'll turn it back over to, to Sarn. Basically, if you're using your boosters on D.Va, and let's say Lucio's around you on the enemy Lucio, and he wants to use his knockback his shotgun boop ability or you know anything even um any other boop ability that you have uh, including uh, farah has her concussive blast if these things hit you while you are using your rocket boosters you have what's called uh, some kind of resistance because your ability in itself is a boop as well so she's probably talking about this more of like a discussion point. So Tassarn, do you want to speak about any, anything to, to use this or kind of abuse this a little bit more or just being aware of it is just a good thing. Uh, just like Lucio, uh, the boop persistence depends on what angle you are hitting from and from what area you are hitting from. If you're hitting someone running towards you, uh, they are going to continue moving forward in the air as well. And it's basically the same as D.Va. D.Va's knockback is a little bit uh, weaker uh, than Lucio's. Mm -hmm. And way weaker than Ferris. Ferris is extremely strong. Yeah. Right. Uh, and, but yeah, with, just as with Lucio, uh, D.Va's knockback is uh, considerate on from what angle you hit the enemy and from what uh, position that enemy is running towards. Is he running mm. towards you? Is he running away from you? Is he running sidewards? And uh, sure. so there is no real way 
to determine an actual knockback resistance uh, depending on the weight of the characters. Like Roadhog is a heavyweight, so to say. Uh, he doesn't get well, let me, back as far. Let me kind of revert the question a little bit because I think that what Zadka is bringing up is how D.Va, during yeah. using the booster's ability, while she's using that, is resistant to being knocked back. Uh, yeah, I think she gains some sort of super armor. Super, uh, super knockback armor. Exactly. <laughs> well, th- I'm glad you brought up super armor because this is actually something that is interchangeable terminology within lots of other fighter games in particular. And I know that I've, I've been consuming a ton of Smash content. And in the pre-show, we were talking a little bit about that with the Sarn. Um, but super armor in games like that mean that you can be taking damage or be taking boops or taking something. And super armor does, doesn't mean that you're immune to the damage. It just means that you're immune to the effects of them. Some kind exactly. of like knockbacks or stuns or, or what they call flinch um, in, in fighting games. Mm-hmm. Um, those things, you just don't have them because you have a super armor. And so D.Va has this when you use your rocket boosters. So if exactly. you were worried about going into an area and you're going to be booped off... You can you can have a little bit of safety when you're using the ability, and then then you can feel vulnerable afterwards. So if you're playing against Diva, keep this in mind. Don't try to use your knockback abilities on Ash if you're getting dove, or your knockback on um, who is it, uh, Lucio if you're getting dove. Use it after she stops her momentum, after and the then boosts. use it because then that's when they're the most vulnerable. Exactly. It's a good one to keep in mind too. Um, I, like overtime comes into mind when you're trying to trigger overtime as diva. Maybe you're the last person that can get to the point, uh, knowing that you can get booped up by that Lucio when you're using your rocket boost. You know, might inform you like, "Hey, let me save him till I get close to that Lucio, and then That's I can guarantee point. I can get to the point." Uh, so, just knowing that fact might save your ass one day. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> So, Sarn, anything to add here? I know that we had one resource that you said you would like really like to put in here. It's a the big collaboration resource for people out there that want to look more into Diva play. Uh, yes, and uh, let's be frank, uh, the name speaks for itself. It's the only Diva guide that you'll ever need, basically. Uh, <clears throat> let's see. Um, I did put it under extra resources. I'm not sure if I should put it anywhere else. Right, I just wanted to see if you wanted to talk a little bit about it here. Um, any, okay. Anything here uh, of uh, note? Basically, uh, this guide basically goes through all the things you need to know about D.Va from many different high-tier D.Va players. Um, a lot of good players overall have added to this, and it basically breaks down D.Va bit for bit. Uh, I'm not sure... I have a, I've briefly checked through it. Some parts I've read a lot, but it tells you what heroes, like what kind of heroes you need to watch out for, what kind of heroes you're good against. It breaks down your damage and basically everything of those. Uh, so if you ever have your time, uh, they also have a YouTube video uh, if you don't prefer to read so that you can listen mm-hmm. to what I say instead. And uh, it's 25 pages in Google Docs, so be fair be, that you're in it for the long haul if you want to go pick this apart. Listen, Definitely if you're serious your about Diva, this is what you need to be <laughs> getting to. <laughs> it is it is in it inextricably bound to the term exhaustive. So <laughs> this is, is about as much as info as you can dump into 25 pages. Exactly. But yeah, it's a very good guide. It's the only guide I would say you ever need to look at if Diva. There's a lot of Diva guides out there, 
But right. from what I've noticed, this is the one I would trust, uh, basically. Sure. All right, uh, Tassarn, is there any other last things about the Diva that you're just like, I totally forgot about this, or just um, if you want to reiterate the fundamentals one more time, that's also fine um, before we kind of close out the show and go through some special thanks here. Um, I'd like, uh, I look here at the question from Frill. Okay. Uh, with Diva, I often feel like I have a ton of sustain and dexterity, but sometimes I feel like I lose health quicker than on other heroes. Uh, what can I do while, I, uh, while assisting a dive or in terms of positioning to prevent getting bursted down? Uh, that is a very superior question, uh, question I'm going to be honest. Uh, <clears throat> as I mentioned before, uh, you need to, when it comes to positioning, you need to beforehand have a game plan. Should I be playing frontline? Should I be playing peeler? Or should I be playing flanker? And basically, even though you're on off tank, you want to hide behind your main tank. Uh, like when Winston dives in, you want to be behind Winston with your defense matrix until Winston bubble comes down. And then you want to dance with that bubble. Uh, so basically, you do everything you can to mitigate damage while still dealing damage yourself. But as I mentioned, D.Va has probably the biggest headshot hitbox in the entire freaking game. And uh, that means that you are going to get critted out of... Uh, out into the cosmos if the, you allow them to shoot at you. <laughs> uh, you so, are in the spacesuit. So. <laughs> exactly. Uh, be careful uh, when positioning. Look around you. Know where you have everything. Know your HP. Know your ability cooldowns. Know when you want to dive in. Do you want to dive? save your rocket boosters to escape? Do you want to use them to engage? There is do. There is only do and do not on D.Va. Do I commit or do I not commit? Uh, so think about that. Also, D.Va, as any other heroes, use the walls, use the map to your advantage. Great way to wrap up, I'd say. So let's uh, let's do some special thanks. We have first up our any and all of our people on twitch.tv slash OmniClab who are our current subs and people that are using their Twitch Prime subs to help us out. We are affiliates, so we can utilize some of those subs if you guys have them with Twitch Prime. And special shout out to Shazir who gave us 100 bits live on the stream this week. Uh, we also have some diamond sponsors out there on Patreon. So Patreon is a basically a tipping service website that you can tip us uh, at a certain rate. Um, every time we create something, we get uh, it'll it'll charge you, and then at the end of the month, it will actually go through the billing. And that's kind of how it works. Um, if you want to help us out there, we have some people at the very top level that are supporting us. Top Score Solutions, of course, is our sponsor that we mentioned at the top alongside of Silver Loki, Solo PS4, Jan Jinkle, Durandal, Roger B, Britmus, Shazir, Krista Player, um, Tragic Zach, Lissom, and new on the block, Matthew Z. Thank you guys so much for your continued support. If you want to join the crew and the lab rats, as some people have kind of like grabbed on their own, um, you can you can say that. We call you guys scientists. We're a little bit more polite on our end. Um, <laughs> but uh, we really appreciate any and all support so we can do things like camera upgrades or getting some new interfaces and mic equipment for being on the go or in the studio. Um, we really, really, really appreciate it. We had some big shuffles this last year, and uh, we're, we're happy to still keep the show rolling. Um, in 2019, we're, we're going to hopefully hit it off with a good stride. Actually, a week early having uh, Tassarn here with us this week. So we're really excited to revisit a good old hero with D.Va. And uh, I think that's going to do it for pretty much anything. You want to find that, it's patreon.com slash Omnic Lab. You want to find anything Omnic Lab, it's all at the website. 
omniclab.com slash links. We got Discord, we got Twitter, we got Facebook, we got Twitch and YouTube and even merch. If you guys want to get t-shirts, this little mug behind me on the live stream, you can get one of those um, all at the website there. That's going to do it for us. Just a reminder, don't forget about game night. It's tonight. Show up. You can kill me a lot. I'm not very good. You can also kill Andres. He's also not very good. I kill him more than he kills me most of the time. Just kidding. That's why he's is in the show. Let's wait till game night. <laughs> hey, I got to throw shade when I can. Um, so <laughs> if you guys want to find our guest, Tassarn, the floor is yours. Please promote anything and everything that is yours where people can find you, get some more coaching on your Fiverr account, all that stuff. <laughs> Okay, so some sellout. Basically, uh, what I can say, I left a few links in uh, the overall description. So if you want, you can be free, be free to check all of those out. Uh, that's about it. I don't like being a sellout. Sorry. <laughs> I ask <you> <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you can just find all the info is always in the description. And we will we, we tweeted out the links. Um, you can check it out on our Twitter. We'll be featuring him in the major tweets as well. Absolutely. Definitely check out this guy. He has a passion for teaching and the right attitude too. Um, we are glad that we were able to get him in here. We first heard of mm. him through the Jane video where Jane actually surprised him and basically did like a secret shopper kind of thing. He just acted secret as, shopper. yeah, he, he acted as a noob and he was like, Hey, I need some coaching. And Tassarin was, uh, very good. He did a fantastic job to the point where Jane congratulated him at the end. It was very cool. Awesome stuff. If you want to find Andres, Andres, where can the lovely people at home find you? If you want to find me, you can find me on Twitter at iPlayGames. You spell that I-P-L-A-I games. And Happy New Year to everybody out there. I wish you the best for the new year. I hope all of your New Year's resolutions come to fruition. Everybody is mm. going to reach top 500 this year. It's going to be the year. <laughs> I don't know the phrase after uh, New Year's yet, but I will tell you the one that I know for before New Year's in Japanese is called Yoyo Tashio or Yoyo Tashio. And that just means Happy New Year before it happens. And then there's another one that you say after New Year when you see your friends and your coworkers. And I'll, I'll probably try to learn that before um, I try to teach it to you guys. I'll try to learn it. Uh, but if you guys want to find me, I'm at the tag not Rob pretty much everywhere except for Twitch. It's not Rob May. If you like Hearthstone, you can check out Villain's Chosen Podcast. Uh, I'm going to be talking. We're going to do lore this week. My co-hosts and I are taking the week off for the holidays. And if you like Dungeons and Dragons, there is a really long three-hour um, one-shot podcast with regards to Christmas and Krampus crashing the party that I did with some friends. And that is on conceptcraft.libsen.com if you want to go check that out. My wife is also joining us on that, and I played a really, really funny old guy. So you can enjoy that. And remember, guys, don't be a lab rat. Be a scientist. We will see you next week and in the new year on episode 133. See you guys. I have nothing more to teach you. The rest.